Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of war to you, thank you and God bless. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, 
had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Look at verse number 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. From this passage, I want to lift the subject for your consideration. Started from the bottom, now I'm here. Lord have mercy. Come on back to Jesus. <laughs> I was asked to choose a song. The theme is God's playlist. And so 2013 came around and Drake released a song entitled Started from the Bottom, Now We're Here. And Jake had what he called a testimony in his song. That he didn't forget where he came from, even though he rose in the music industry. But I believe as children of God, we have a greater testimony. But we were brought from despair to deliverance. And the story of Mephibosheth helps us to understand this rise to a relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, mind if I come down? I'm just going to feel like I'm at home. When we look at 2 Samuel, we find a fulfillment of a covenant that was established between David and Jonathan. We know that Saul was king at one point, and Saul was the first king in Israel. Uh, and as king in Israel, Saul, of course, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, disobeyed God. And as a result, God fired Saul. And Saul being fired, uh, now there is a replacement necessary, and that replacement is David. But while Saul was still in authority, there was a covenant that was established, and Jonathan submitted to the will of God. And in submitting to the will of God, Jonathan said, listen, I know by nature of birth I should be the second king in Israel, but I'm submitting to the will of God, and I'm backing you, David, as God's first king and Israel's second king. You'll get that on your way out. And so when we look at this particular text, Jonathan said, I just need you to do something. I need you to watch over my seed when you are seated in authority as the king over Israel, and there was a covenant established between Jonathan and David. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 31, we find that Jonathan dies. But Jonathan has a son by the name of Mephibosheth. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 4, and the verse is number 4, during the time of war, Mephibosheth is being carried by the nurse, and the nurse is running, and she drops Mephibosheth, and he broke both of his feet. Now he's laying in his feet because somebody dropped him. We'll come back to that in just a moment. 
But then in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we find the fulfillment of the covenant that was made in 1 Samuel chapter 20. I don't know about you, but that gives me much comfort because the covenant was established years ago. And years later, you have the fulfillment of the covenant. It's amazing when God has promises for his people, even though a long period of time has passed, God has not forgotten to fulfill the promises in the lives of his people. Some of us are right now in waiting mode for God to fulfill the promise that he made on our behalf. But I don't know about you. I'm going to keep holding on to God's unchanging hand. I'm going to trust him even though I can't trace him because I know the blessing is on its way. And so we find in this particular text that David raises a question. Is there anybody of the house of Saul that is left alive that I may show the kindness of God toward for the sake of Jonathan? Somebody said, well, if anybody ought to know, Ziba ought to know. Now, Ziba was a part of Saul's regime. When Saul was trying to kill David, Ziba was on that roll call to find David and kill David. Now, the very man that was sent to kill David now works for David. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's amazing how God can turn things uh, around. And so the very person that tries to kill you is now the one that's serving you. That's why you got to be careful how you treat folk. That's why you got to be careful how you treat children of God. Because where you are now, the roles can be reversed. And you will find yourself lifting up the child of God instead of tearing down the child of God. He says, Ziba, is there anybody alive that I can show the kindness of God toward? He said, well, there is somebody, Jonathan's son, who's lame in both of his feet. Y'all missed it. Is there anybody that I can show the kindness of God to? Yeah, there's somebody. He's a son, but he's lame in both of his feet. And so the point that I'm trying to drive at this time is when David wanted to know who, Ziba gave him a what? Now, before I explain that, I want you to understand when David called Ziba, he didn't call Ziba for Ziba. He called Ziba to find somebody that he can show the blessing of God toward. Anytime God wants to use you, it's not always about you. It's about using you to be a vessel in a vehicle to bring a blessing to somebody else. And one of the difficult challenges that we have in our lives is to be sent by God as a blessing to somebody when we ourselves stand in need of a blessing. He said, it's not about you. It's about who I can bless. And I'm using you as a means to get it to the person that I'm going to bless for Jonathan's sake. But getting back to the point, he says, yeah, he has a son, but he's lame in both of his feet. It's interesting that when folk talk about you, they don't mention you by name. They mention you by condition. They mention your disability. They're quick to talk about everything that's wrong with you. David says, I'm not concerned about what's wrong with him. I just want to know, is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can bless? There's some people who can't look at you without thinking about your condition. Can I speak some truth tonight? All of us got some weaknesses. All of us got some struggles. And if you draw the conclusion that I have no struggle, your struggle is lying. Oh, man. Y'all all right? Let me smile so y'all know everything is all right. We all got challenges. But David says, I'm not concerned about his disability. 
I want to bless him. And it's amazing how God can look beyond our faults and see our needs. He says, I'm not looking for a disability. I'm looking for somebody that I can show the kindness of God toward. Now, if you want to know, fast forward what the application is of all of us are Mephibosheths. All right. Let me get a swig of water real quick. When you look into the spiritual mirror of your lives, all of us are Mephibosheths. And all of us didn't get to who we were or who we are through the same difficulty or challenge in life. I'm looking at somebody who perhaps years ago been dropped. It's amazing that there's some young folk who are dealing with low self-esteem because a grown-up dropped them and they left the scene. And you wonder why they're struggling in school. You wonder why they're struggling in life. You wonder why they're struggling in the workplace because some adult dropped them when they were younger and then walked away from them when they needed them the most. It could have been a mother, it could have been a father, it could have been an uncle, it could have been an aunt, it could have been an older brother, it could have been an older sister, it could have been somebody that dropped them, and now they are in this position by no fault of their own. But then there are those of us who got ourselves in our lame conditions. Uh, Lord have mercy. Just mind you, just say man, stay in the church. We all got something we're wrestling with. We all got something that we're dealing with. We all got something that we come to worship with every single Sunday because none of us are perfect. We are striving to be perfect. We are striving to be faithful. But the truth of the matter is that none of us are perfect. But here's the blessing. God still wants us. He still wants us to sit at the king's table, even in the midst of our imperfection. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. I can't quote every scripture. I don't pray as often as I need to pray. Lord have mercy. I don't preach as shortly as I need to preach from time to time. I'm not perfect, but you know what? God can still use me. And regardless of what you're wrestling with in your life, as long as you are staying and standing in the will of God, God can use you, and God can take your mess, give you a message, and encourage somebody who stands in need of it. Yeah, I know he's lame in both of his feet, but I need him at my table. But now you need to understand where he is. He is in the house of Achaia, the son of Emiel, in Lodabar. Now, Lodabar, according to the Hebrew translation, simply means a place of no pasture. That means that he is in a place where he is uncared for properly. He is like a sheep without a shepherd. He is broken. He is lame in both of his feet. And he is frightened for his life because he understands based upon tradition. When a new king takes authority, the first thing he does is wipe out the previous regime's family. Because he doesn't want anybody to try to usurp the authority while he is in power. So now everybody in the family got to die. Can't you see Mephibosheth sitting in Lodabar in this place of no pasture? He is sitting there knowing that one day somebody's going to knock on the door and bring him out and David is going to kill him. And so there he is spending for himself. Nobody cares for him. He has no support, no guidance, no leadership. Nobody loves him. But David says, bring him. Bring him to me. And so there he is sitting in Lodabar, this place of no pasture. And the door opens. And they called his name Mephibosheth. 
Can you imagine Mephibosheth? Just use your sanctified imagination. Man, I thought I, I thought I got away. I've been here for many, many years. I just thought he may have forgotten about me. Maybe, maybe I'm going to survive this tradition of being killed because I was a part of the previous king's family. And so David says, bring him to me. Now he's just perhaps limping and being carried by the folk and he's brought before David. I'll be where you want me to be in just a moment. He's brought before David, and David says, are you Mephibosheth? He says, yes, I am Mephibosheth. The first thing David says is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. David has to say that because he knows Mephibosheth is thinking. He's here to die. But David says, I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to bless you. Oh, Lord have mercy. I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to bless you. I, I know the law says kill you, but I'm going to give you grace. Oh, Lord have mercy. If God had demonstrated his justice toward us all, none of us would be here. And I can safely and competently say that all of us are here by the grace of God. I, I believe in the power of God's grace. I'm thankful for grace because grace is for the guilty. <laughs> y'all right. see why I'm happy y'all went first grace is for the guilty I thank God for his amazing grace for all of us exist by that grace we're not standing here we're not sitting here by our own merit by our own righteousness but by the grace of almighty God it was grace that woke you up this morning and started you on your way grace that protected you as you went throughout your day grace that allowed you to come here on tonight to hear the word of God and sing praises of the God all of us need to be faithful for the grace of God he says I'm not here to kill you I'm here to bless you I'm here to bless you and I want you to sit at my table continually Oh, but then he says, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that you want to show this blessing toward? Who, who am I? I am nothing but a dead dog. That signifies that my life is worthless. You ever felt that way? My life is just worthless. I've done so many things. I, I've said so many things. I've thought so many things. I'm unworthy of the blessings of God. I'm unworthy of the deliverance of God. I'm unworthy of the grace of God. I, I don't deserve anything that God wants to do for me, toward me, or through me. I, I'm just a worthless person. It's amazing that the same way he felt the same way about his life as it pertained to his feet. He felt, not only am I lame in my feet, but I'm lame in my life. I'm totally worthless. How I am physically has translated psychologically and spiritually. I am nobody. And I believe it's past time in the Lord's church for us to start infusing in the minds of God's people, even from a young age up, that you are somebody in Christ Jesus. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. There is so much that happens in the schoolhouse, in the workplace, in terms of bullying that's causing young folk to take 
their own lives. They need to know they are somebody. They need to understand that their condition is not their conclusion. They need to understand that even though you've been dropped, the king is still calling you to sit at his table. They need to understand that it's not where you start, it's where you finish. You may be in Lodabar, but you're not going to stay in Lodabar. You're coming to the king's table. And so how do you feel about yourself? You may say, well, you know what? I, I just feel bad about myself. I've done this. I've done that. But that's why we're thankful for the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the forbearance of God, the compassion of God, the blessing of God. God is worthy to be praised. There was a covenant on his life that superseded the crippleness in his life. He is alive because of a covenant. That was established between David and Jonathan. Had it not been for this covenant, Mephibosheth would have been gone a long time ago. Some of us ought to be thankful that the covenant on our life with Jesus supersedes the crippleness in our lives. Because we all got some crippleness in our lives. You ain't got to say, man, I'm telling the truth anyhow. All that sin and falling short of the glory of God. And those of us who've been baptized for the remission of our past sins, guess what? Since we resurrected from that liquid tomb of baptism, we have still transgressed the law of God. I would love to meet somebody. I want you to autograph my Bible if you have not sinned since you obeyed the gospel of Jesus. I want to take a selfie with you. I'll put it on Facebook tonight. The truth of the matter is, we're still working. We are still under construction. But God is not going to wait until I get completely right to allow me to sit at the table. Mm. Here's the blessing. If a Mephibosheth was here, he, he would take the mic and he would say, here, here, here's the blessing. Here's the blessing. I'm sitting at the table. I'm seated at the table. And from the waist up, I look like everybody else because I'm at the table. I look like everybody else from the waist up because of everything that's wrong with me is covered. I need another squid. I need that to marinate. I need that to sink in. I'm not completely cured, but I'm covered. I'm still lame, but I'm covered. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm covered. I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I'm not holy. I'm not righteous, but but I'm still covered. I'm only here because I'm covered. And so we come in and we're looking all good and everything, but the truth of the matter is that everything that's wrong with us is covered. And if God decides to uncover what's been covered up, we'll have chaos in here. I didn't know you were dealing with this. I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you drank that. I didn't know you went here. I didn't know you hung out with these people. Amen. How many of you are thankful for the cover? And so Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth is sitting at the table. Now, it's amazing that every day he sat at the king's table and he ate. Now, you need to know who's at the king's table. There are dignitaries at the king's table. There are generals. There are governors. There are 
people in authority. There are powerful individuals who are seated at the king's table. And this is the same table where Mephibosheth is sitting. Can you imagine with your sanctified imagination, everybody's seated there and everyone is waiting to eat. And now they got to wait for Mephibosheth to get to the table. Yeah, I don't mind me. I'm on my way. I'm going I'm to let my way to the table. But I'm not going to start without me because I got an invitation to the king's table. I, I started in the bottom of Lodabar and now I'm here. You talked about me while I was down. You talked about me when I had nobody to care for me. Now I'm seated at a table where all of my needs are met. Can anybody say the Lord is my shepherd? I, I shall not want. My God shall supply all of my needs. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you recognize where you started and where you now are, and you've been transported by the grace of God to be where you are right now, then you have a testimony to pass on to somebody else. Because there was a time, spiritually speaking, where we could say as Mephibosheth in verse number 8, who am I? I'm just a dead dog. But what he did with this dog, he can do with other dogs. There's a story, there's a story, there's a story of a, of a man who used to race prize-winning dogs that were bred by this particular man. And these dogs would win dog races so much so that this man would amass a great amount of wealth. He got so much money because these dogs won these dog races until one day after calculating all of his fortune, he decided that I'm going to find a mutt. I'm going to find a mutt, a useless dog, a dog that is different from the dogs that I am accustomed to. And his servant said, "Nah, you don't want to do that. You do not want a mutt in this house because he's not accustomed to this kind of environment. He's not used to this kind of environment. He's he's used to the streets. He's used to eating garbage. He's he's not built to be in this place. But ignoring the words of the servant, the man still went out to find a mud. So one late night, he went down the dark alley and he kicked over a garbage can and there was a mud. He was skinny. He was dirty. He was scrungy. He smelled badly. And the man picked this mud up. This man cleaned this mud. This man clipped this mud's dog nails. Even put a doggy sweater on the mud. <laughs> Brought the mutt to his house, gave the mutt the best food he ever had, and now this mutt is just prancing through the house. He know he's somebody right now. Before he was in the alley, now he's in this house and he's looking good. But the servant said, "Listen, this is not going to last because he's not used to this environment." Sure enough, the next day the mutt left. Mutt left. Days had gone by. Two days, three days, four days, five days had gone by. Still no sign. Of that mud. And then on that sixth day, there was a scratch on the door. The man opened the door, there was that mud. He went back and got 10 of his mud friends. <laughs> he said to them, No one has ever treated me like this. I was at the bottom, I was in uh, the dark alley, I was eating out of the trash can. I wasn't looking uh, for the man, but the man was looking for me. And when he found me, uh, he cleaned me up, he clipped my nails, he put a doggy sweater on me, he brought me to his home, he gave me the best food I ever had, uh, but I couldn't keep this blessing to myself. I had to go out and get some other mutter uh, because if he did it for me, he would do it for them. Uh, I stand before you.
you tonight at Avenue G Church of Christ uh, to let you know that I am a representative mutt trying to show other mutts uh, how to come uh, to the master's house. Uh, I know where God brought me from. I was swimming uh, in the cesspool uh, of sin. Uh, I've been delivered by the blood of Jesus. Uh, added to the church. Uh, indwelt by the spirit. Uh, blessed and highly favored. Uh, now I got to go find uh, some other mutts uh, and let them know uh, what he did for me. He will do for. He will do for you. That's why I fall in love with Jesus. I'm thankful that I'm seated at the king's table. I'm thankful because everything that he does for me, I sometimes take for granted, but I just need to pause as we sung on tonight and just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's that's my testimony. Thank you, Lord. I I, I know I probably deserve to be in Lodabar, but, but thank you, Lord. Lord, I've been dropped a long time ago, and I'm still dealing with the effects of being dropped, but yet, by your grace and mercy, you allow me to sit at your table covered. Thank you, Lord. And when you start thinking about everything that Jesus has done for you, I'm getting ready to take my sanctified seat. Anything about what Jesus has done for you, uh, you just have to walk through your ABCs. Uh, he anticipates and annihilates uh, our adversities and our atrocities. Uh, he bewilders, baffles, body slams, befuddles, uh, behills above. Uh, he creates a calm when you're captured uh, in the cage of calamity. Uh, and it appears that your communication uh, is clipped with a Christ. Uh, he destroys, doubt, dissipates, discouragement, dominates, and demolishes the devil. Uh, he encircles you and energizes you when you are enveloped uh, by your enemies. Uh, he's a faithful friend uh, that will fuel your faith so you can fight your foes. Uh, he's God sent that guides you through your goals. Uh, he's the heavenly helper that helps you over the hurdles uh, in your life to turn your hurts, habits, and hang-ups uh, into hallelujahs. Uh, there's nobody like Emmanuel uh, for he's the giver of joy. Uh, he's the king of kings that keeps you. The Lord of lords that loves you and serves as a leading post for you to lead upon. Uh, he's a merciful, mighty, matchless, messianic master that conquers my mess with his mercies. Uh, there's nobody like this Nazarene. Uh, he's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, uh, omni-audio, omni-video. Uh, he's the perfect, potent prince of peace that translates my problems uh, into promises. Uh, he's the quintessential savior that quiets my questions. Uh, he's the righteous redeemer that reaches down uh, and removes me from my ruts uh, and he translates Amen. my rags uh, into riches. Uh, he's the seeing savior that sees me in my sad settings produced by storming situations and turns my stumbling blocks uh, into stepping stones. Uh, he's the terrific teacher that translates my trials, uh, tribulations, and temptations uh, into triumphs. Uh, he is the one that unifies me to God. Uh, he fills my board with victory because he's the way that makes a way out of no way. Uh, he's only found in ex-sinners, uh, ex-aliens, uh, who are made not by his blood. Uh, he tells me to yearn for his yoke, for his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and he gives me zeal uh, as I march towards Zion. Uh, there's nobody. There's nobody like Jesus. And in all of this that he has done, because of all he has done, you and I are blessed to rise from our place of Lodabar to sit at the king's table. And you have your testimony. And here's your testimony. I started at the bottom. Now we're here. But now if you're still in a load of bar, if you are a Lodabarian on tonight, 
He's calling you. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor. And I heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What Jesus did in order to bring about this reconciliation, no one could have ever done. Jesus was a selfless Savior. Everything he did, he did with reference to another man. Born in another man's manger. Preached on another man's boat. Used a young man's lunch to feed the multitude. Rode on another man's donkey. Tried in another man's court. Died for another man's sin. Buried in another man's tomb. And rose for another man's justification. Everything he did, he did with reference to another man. And that's why you need to be a part of his family. That's why you have to be willing to rise from your load of heart. Because that's not where he wants you. God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And you cannot be where he wants you to be until you willingly and humbly obey him. You just can't say, well, because I was born into this world, everything is okay. No. No, you got to be in his family. I close with one more story. As you can tell, I love stories. Bob built sailboat. was proud of the sailboat that he built. And after he built the sailboat, he put his initials at the bottom of the sailboat. He decided one day, on a windy day, to, to put his boat on the water to watch it sail. He put it on the water, and a gust of wind came and blew the boat out of his sight. The boy was crushed. He was grieved. He didn't want to watch TV. He didn't want to be around anybody. He was just hurt. And as time went on, he stepped off the school bus and walked by a store that he walked by every single day. And he just happened to look into the window of that store. And there he saw what looked like his boat. He went in there, looked at the boat, examined it. He said, sure looks like my boat. Turned it upside down, and there were his initials. He said, after all this time, I found my boat. And he grabbed it and started to walk out the store. The owner said, hold up. I don't know where you think you're going with that, but the only way you're walking out of this store where that boat is paying the price for it. He says, but I made it. He says, this is now the store's property. You want it, you got to pay for it. So he went home and he did extra chores and built up his allowance. And once he had enough, he went back to the store, gave the man the money. The man, the man gave him the boat and the boy leaves the store with tears running down his eyes. He's holding on tightly and he tells the boat now, now you're twice mine. First, because I made you. And secondly, because I bought you. You may have been made by God. But tonight will be a good night to be purchased by the blood of Jesus. The plan of salvation is simple. You hear the word of God. You believe it with all of your heart. You repent of your sins. That is, turn from your sin. Turn to God. Repentance is like a checkup from the neck up before you wreck up. <laughs> You've got to change your mind before you can change your life. 
you got to confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, and based upon that confession, you'll be baptized tonight for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll be added to the church and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then you begin your Christian walk with God. It's time for you to come out of your load of art. Today is the accepted time. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. The preacher, I'll do it later. I, I, I'll do it later. I got tomorrow. I got next week. That's not promised. The poem put it this way. I've only just a minute. Only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me. Can't refuse it. Didn't seek it. Didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute. But eternity is in it. The question is, what will you do with the time that God has given you? Moses prayed, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts into wisdom. Psalm 90, verse number 12. So don't only count your days, make your days count. And make tonight count by coming out of your loader bar tonight so that you can sit at the king's table. Do this as we stand and sing the Savior's invitation. My God is awesome. He can move mountains. Keep me in the valley.